Hello there. You've discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of healthcare each and every day. That's the fact, yeah! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, we all remember farmer activist Jose Bove at the McDonald's in France. Now France, um, well, uh, uh, President Sarkozy has announced they are putting a moratorium on the commercial cultivation of genetically modified crops pending a review of this sector. What's dominating the medical news, what's coming out of the American Heart Association's annual meeting in Orlando. We are joined uh, today by two recent uh, attendees of that uh, meeting. Tom Bonderbrink joining us today from Bioenergy Life Science. Dr. David Perkowski, a well-known cardiovascular surgeon who has done an amazing research project with D-ribose and open heart surgery patients. You'll learn more about D-ribose for the health of your heart. Joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. I suspect it's all about identifying, synthesizing, patenting, making curcumin. That's the active ingredient in turmeric in curry a well-known anti-inflammatory and antioxidant agent into a drug. A major Japanese university has announced they have synthesized and test 90 variations of curcumin um, and have been able to synthesize them because what we find is that curcumin has a very positive effect on cancer. It also helps to reduce cholesterol levels because it's a well-known anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. It improves heart to health, but natural curcumin, has low bioavailability. In other words, what we absorb and can use from what we consume and quickly loses its anti-cancer attributes when we eat it, when we consume it. So now they have identified two variations of the curcumin molecule that has been synthesized by this Japanese team, ones that appear to be very potent and very bioavailable, all announced at the Centennial Conference on Translational Cancer Medicines annual meeting in Singapore. So perhaps the drug of the future when it comes to cancer may be curry. They've been able to synthesize two molecules that apparently are very potent and bioavailable in terms of its anti-inflammatory and antioxidant benefit. Well, it's researchers at the University of Maryland taking a look at inositol, and inositol hexaphosphate. Yeah, that sounds like a very long term. You can uh, remember IP6 for short. Of course, uh, uh, inositol hexaphosphate, IP6, um, is extracted from rice bran. 
And what these University of Maryland researchers have announced is intriguing indeed. They gave drinking water containing a 2% solution of IP6 to laboratory animals that had been engineered to be prone to skin cancer. What they found is that these mice who did no more than drink water containing a 2% solution of IP6 developed skin cancer tumors at a rate less than half that of the untreated laboratory animals. And just keep in mind, these laboratory animals had been uh, raised to be prone to skin cancer. So in other words, they were able to cut (laughs) the incidence of skin cancer in these laboratory animals grown to be prone to it less than half just by feeding them 2% solution of IP6 in their drinking water. They were also uh, treated with a topical cream containing a 4% uh, inositol hexaphosphate or IP6. And what they found, again, was a dramatic reduction in the number of skin cancer uh, uh, tumors, uh, lesions that developed. So according to University of Maryland researchers, IP6 could provide all-purpose radiation protection helping to protect our very vulnerable DNA in our skin cells from UVB radiation, B for burning, radiation therapy for cancer patients, even radiation from a nuclear disaster or or a bomb. So rice bran antioxidants could provide protection against uh, radiation. We're talking about IP6, and of course there's some very novel supplements that have combined uh, agents like resveratrol from red wine with IP6. Sounds like a winning combination. Well, great focus on the life page of today's USA Today about the fact that 100 hospitals around the country utilize touch therapy. And although there may be no large clinical trials to prove the worth of uh, touch therapy, uh, hospitals offer it on the strong anecdotal evidence that people say it works. In fact, uh, a cardiologist and and the medical director of Scripps Center for Integrative Medicine, Dr. Mimi Guarneri, she's joined us on the air. She's just an amazing physician. Say she became a believer because uh, she had a viral infection that knocked her out of work for the first time in years. And she said, after the treatment, it felt like I had so much energy, I felt better almost immediately. Touch therapy now being offered by some hundred uh, hospitals around the country. Well, it made the Baltimore Sun. I'm surprised that no other um, newswire service uh, studies picked up on John Hopkins University research that was presented at the American Heart Association's annual conference in Orlando. It's all about CT scans of the heart. What they found is that these sophisticated scans of the heart and their arteries, you've uh, seen, I'm sure, the billboards and the the print ads about these 24-slice CT scans could reduce invasive and expensive diagnostic tests for coronary blockages by at least 25%. They are finding that these uh, 64 slice CT scans of the heart match up 90% of the time with cardiac catheterization. 
And we know cardiac catheterization is accurate oh, about 65% of the time. But, of course, it does have downsides. Uh, discomfort, uh, anesthesia, bleeding. Um, in more cases, very serious complications of an emergency open heart operation or morbidity because of the, the dye that's used. So catheterizations also cost four times as much as this um, 64-slice CT scan of the heart. So it's going to be interesting to watch because, of course, there have been major investments in catheterization labs. And it's important to discuss this, this new technology with your physician to determine what's best for you. CT scan effective on the heart, according to a Johns Hopkins University team. Well, it's from the Orthomolecular Medicine News Service, orthomolecular being the term coined by two-time Nobel Prize laureate Dr. Linus Pauling, the use of uh, science-based dietary supplements as therapeutic agents, that two-thirds of all Americans do not consume even the recommended daily intake of magnesium, RDA, really dumb amount and uh, 19% of Americans do not even consume one half of the government's recommended daily intake of magnesium that magnesium is needed for more than 300 biochemical reactions in the body and there are so many situations of migraine headaches, thinning of the bones arthritis, kidney stones menstrual cramps, PMS allergies, asthma, cancer arthritis that all benefit from magnesium supplementation that people typically start with about 200 milligrams a day of magnesium oxide. You can also do it in liquid form with the liquid magnesium citrate and get 282 milligrams of elemental magnesium and slowly increase to 600 milligrams a day. People with kidney failure, of course, should consult with their physician, but the bottom line is that more magnesium means better health. Well, it's an interesting manufacturer of high, highly pure plant extracts out of Germany who believes that the fruit of the aronia plant, A-R-O-N-I-A, apparently this plant produces berries that, according to these German researchers, have outstanding antioxidant properties, rich in these anthocyanins. We think of them when we think of cranberries, a new plant extract from the aronia plant may be of great health benefit in the future. Speaking of health benefits, we're going to return to talk about an interesting science-based nutrient, D-ribose, with Tom Bonderbrink, the president of Bioenergy Life Science, Dr. David Perkowski, joining us on Healthy Talk Radio. Check out Deborah Ray online, now with live audio streaming and audio archives of past shows, plus news stories, guest information, and the fast way to find books you've heard mentioned on the show, only at HealthyTalkRadio.com. You hear it on the radio, you see it on television, you read it in the newspaper, the 
research coming out of the American Heart Association's annual meeting in Orlando. So very appropriate that we focus on some of the latest research that's being done all about the health of our heart. And we are joined today uh, by a, a noted uh, figure, um, certainly but behind much of the, the research uh, from his company, uh, Bioenergy Life Science, who uh, brings the president to us today, Tom Vonderbrink. Tom, hello and welcome. Well, good morning, Deborah, and good morning to your listeners. And we have a very special guest joining us as well. We have the great good fortune of learning yet again from a cardiovascular surgeon who previously joined us on the air to talk about a unique science-based nutrient in relationship to the health of our heart. And when we have challenges with heart health and heart surgery, Dr. David Perkowski joining us as well. Dr. Perkowski, thanks for joining Tom and me here today. Good morning, Deborah, and again to your listeners, and thanks for having me on. So, Tom, set the stage uh, because um, uh, I don't know who introduced Dr. Perkowski to, to D-Ribose, but perhaps people listening to us for the first time uh, are just um, um, you know, perking up their ears to the fact that D-Ribose, uh, we talked about it recently with Dr. Teitelbaum uh, in relationship to chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, is garnering a lot of research interest these days. Give us an overview, please, Tom. Well, I mean, ribose is a very unique five-carbon carbohydrate. Uh, that What's unique about ribose is that it is not only the building block of RNA and DNA, but more importantly, it's the building block of the backbone of the ATP molecule. And ATP uh, is like gasoline to the cell. This is where uh, the majority of all of our energy supply comes from, from the constant turnover of this ATP molecule. And ribose is the backbone of this. And more importantly, when you have demand versus supply mismatch in terms of how well you can turn this over, this molecule breaks down and is washed out of the cell. And ribose is not only the backbone of that, but it is the regulator of how quickly we can rebuild that molecule after it's been depleted. And whether it's um, someone going through open-heart surgery someone uh, with fibromyalgia, someone suffering from congestive heart failure, all of these people, for one reason or another, have this significant demand versus supply mismatch that occurs in the cells, in the heart, and even in the muscles. And if you can supplement these people with ribose, you can help restore the energy charge, restore the amount of, of ATP in these cells, and therefore improve the functioning of the heart muscle, the skeletal muscle, uh, whatever, uh, wherever this depletion is occurring, and you can do that very, very quickly. So when we talk about uh, a heart being stressed, Dr. Perkowski, I think, you know, all of us can, can uh, acknowledge, oh, you know, surgery of any kind, much less a heart surgery, is a stress on the heart. Help us to understand in terms of, uh, of you know, how that stress or even a heart attack um, can stress the heart in terms of nutrient needs, please, Dr. Perkowski. Well, Deborah, when we do open heart surgery, uh, we're doing it for a reason, obviously, and uh, uh, a, a majority of our patients today are coronary bypass operations, where we have to resupply the, the, uh, the heart with some more blood flow, and we do that with these bypasses. And so these hearts are stressed in, in, in many ways, and uh, one of the problems, of course, is... Uh, is supplying the nutrients to the heart muscle because the heart muscle always works. It never rests. And when we take them to surgery, uh, we uh, stress the heart even more. 
And so our objective, obviously, today, uh, with all the scrutiny that we have with open heart surgery, and our, our we're the first specialty to actually have our results published uh, uh, by the government. Mm-hmm. Why uh, we're very interested in enhancing our ability to do this operation with the fewest uh, complications, the morbidity, mortality. And what we found is that when we started using ribose, that uh, we could see an increase in the cardiac output, which was a crude measurement of how the heart was functioning in surgery, but it was consistent, and so it gave us an added advantage. And uh, the way I do my operation for the last 10 years is what they call beating heart surgery, where I don't put them on the heart-lung machine, which most people do. And this is an operation in which we do uh, the coronary bypass operation on a beating heart. And in those situations, uh, we actually... uh, you know, have to rely on the on the the body's ability to withstand that operation, but it has resulted in fewer complications. Having said that, why we use every every uh, tool and trick we can to make that heart function better, and ribose has been an integral part of that. So the bottom line of, of of this type of approach in this research, you know, what have you found in terms of of the results? I think one of those uh, one of those studies have already been uh, completed, Doctor Perkowski. Yes, yeah, so, and what we found is uh, we've done over 200 patients now, and uh, we've had just one death, but it was not cardiac-related. It was more related to other uh, uh, physiologic problems that the patient had, but the heart function remained pretty good. So ordinarily, our mortality, you know, again, it's based on, on uh, comorbid conditions like the age and the sex of the patient and, and whether or not they have renal problems and all kinds of things. But nevertheless, uh, in our situation in our hospital, the average age of our patients is about six to seven years older than the rest of the country. And so <clears throat> they're six and seven years into their disease process, and we were interested in actually uh, enhancing our results. And what we found is that uh, these patients do extremely well uh, with the ribose on board. And we preload them with the ribose, and it's really helped us a lot. And the, you know, the interest from, from potentially other uh, surgeons who perform beating heart to surgery, I'm sure, uh, is, is interesting, Dr. Burkowski, from the standpoint, I understand that you're one of the leading pioneers in beating heart surgery. That's correct. And the way we've done our operation is, is somewhat different than most folks, too, is we really delved into the metabolism and tried to uh, pre-treat our patients to enhance their ability to withstand the operation. And uh, uh, that included... Uh, uh, really looking at insulin resistance is one of the reasons they get this disease. So we had everything in, in line uh, to do this, this operation, to do it well. That started about 10 years ago. And the one thing I was looking for was I couldn't necessarily enhance the energy supply of the heart. I knew about ribose, but I knew it was very expensive and it was not available. And then Tom and his uh, group uh, approached me and said, this is now available. And I was so excited because this gave me a, the ability to, even to do this operation with more ease, and with what we're really looking for is to get that patient through the uh, through the operation as quickly and as expeditiously as we can, and uh, having a good functioning heart or enhancing it was right. was part of that process. What great work! What great work! And for people who don't know Tom, that was part of the the actually historical founding of bioenergy life science. So was a desire to help uh, a childhood a pediatric heart patients. Uh, you, you're right, Deborah. And you know the the original research that founded our platform technology around ribose was back in the late '80s uh, by a uh, another cardiovascular surgeon in uh, the University of Minnesota. And what he found was that when 
he was not doing beating heart. He was actually clamping off the aorta, uh, doing it on a heart-lung bypass, and that causes, you know, uh, significant uh, ischemia or lack of blood flow to the heart, which will um, significantly deplete the ATP stores. And what he found was when he did this surgery, uh, he would go in. It took these kids' heart seven to ten days to recover, and he couldn't understand that because he went in there, had fixed the problem, unclamped the aorta, went in and resupplied um, the, the the heart tissue with plenty of oxygen, plenty of fuel, but that heart still remained stunned and didn't take it. And it took it seven to ten days to recover from this uh, this insult, this clamping of the aorta, this ischemia that that causes this ATP to uh, deplete. Right. And what they found was by giving ribose, you could significantly increase this, not to seven to ten days, but in one or two days, ATP levels, and cardiac function improved in one to two days instead of seven to ten days. And that, that makes recovery from the surgery much faster. It, it takes the uh, patient uh, out of this high-risk zone when their heart is uh, not functioning as well as it should be and uh, makes the outcome much better. Tom, hold that thought. We'll be back with more. Dr. David Perkowski, Tom Vonderink, our special guest today to talk about D-Ribose in your heart on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where we're talking about the science, the ongoing research behind an interesting nutrient, D-ribose, and the health of your heart. The President and Chief Operating Officer of Bioenergy Life Science, Tom Vonderbrink, joins us as well as noted cardiovascular surgeon, Dr. David Perkowski. And as we indicated, Dr. Perkowski has completed and is continuing to work with D-ribose prior to surgery. He is a unique pioneer in beating heart surgery and finding a significant reduction in overall mortality. So if we take a look at pediatric heart patients, Dr. Perkowski, or even... You know, patients who are having valve replaced, does D-ribose you know, help the heart uh, survive the, you know, the rigors of, of stressful heart surgery better? Yes, Deborah, it would. It, and the, uh, the end result is the same whether we're doing uh, the operation for a coronary bypass or for valve surgery or, for, as you mentioned, pediatric, because the, the energy uh, requirements are the same and the uh, put in some of these other operations, you have to use the heart lung machine, and you have to induce what they call ischemia. That is, uh, 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 times when you're not supplying any blood flow to the heart, and we give this special chemical during that operation to keep the heart uh, uh, perfused in in a way that we can protect it. But we're always uh, struggling to to give it as much as it needs, and occasionally uh, with with some of the patients, why we may have a hard time getting them off the heart lung machine after the operation is done. And what we try to do now in my series of patients who are older, obviously, uh, right. and all these patients, we use the D-ribose for, uh, as the nutrient preoperatively to enhance our results. And, and what we found is that um, it seems to be that the longer they're on this uh, D-ribose, uh, for instance, if they're on for maybe a week or two or sometimes three weeks and we have an elective operation, <clears throat> we find that the heart works better uh, just empirically from, from using this. And if 
if I have to do an operation, why well, I like to have have them get at least six doses of, of the D-ribose, and then I can see the results. So, uh, in all these patients, uh, we're doing the same thing to the heart. We're right. what we call inducing the, the ischemia, and mm-hmm. that's the one area in which the heart struggles a bit because it starts using up its energy supply very, very quickly. And so, what we want, want to do is restore that energy as quickly as possible, and D-ribose allows us to do that. What about the, the the length of time that uh, may elapse, uh, Dr. Perkowski, from a patient perhaps you know presenting themselves to the ER in, in a heart attack, um, and the time that you can perform open heart surgery? Well, that's a great question, Deborah, because that has one of been one of the problems for us as surgeons. Uh, uh, early on, we noticed that if a patient did have a heart attack and was stabilized and uh, uh, went to the cath lab and then to the ICU. If we took them to the operating room within a couple of days after a big heart attack, why they, they fared poorly. Yeah. And so we'd like to wait uh, uh, seven to ten days before we operate on a patient, and that goes along with what Tom said earlier, that it takes the heart that long to recover its, uh, its functional status and make the energy, because once they lose that energy molecule, it takes so long to get it back. And so we found that if we waited on these patients, then the morbidity and mortality went down. What D-ribose allows us to do is if uh, the patient uh, does come in with a heart attack, we can get to that, uh, do that operation much earlier, within three to four days, and, and the result will be the same. So it's reduced the time that the patient has to spend in the hospital recovering from the heart attack and then taken to the operating room. And as many people listening to you, Dr. Burkowski, you know, already know, because we talk about it on a regular basis, the lifestyle choices that we make each and every day that affect heart health, the, you know, the, the long-term prescription to these patients, you know, after they have the beating heart surgery and, and return uh, to their daily lives, you know, to make uh, changes in activity or, or, or diet, um, is continued supplementation with D-ribose so, uh, a, a good additional course of, of uh, additional protection for their heart following surgery? Well, I'd, I'd say, Deborah, all things being equal, yes. We don't have that information, uh, but I think the, the model for that would probably be those patients in congestive heart failure who are struggling all the time uh, right. with their functional status and uh, resupplying those patients, and those studies are underway now to try to determine whether or not D-ribose uh, would actually enhance their uh, results. We think it does. Uh, the preliminary studies show that it does, uh, but we need a big uh, randomized trial to see whether or not that's done or not. But having said that, I would say yes, long-term use of ribose, uh, uh, it's like anything else. Uh, you have something good and you give it more, and it's even better. So I think that would be good for them, particularly those patients who have had heart attacks and have a damaged heart. Can your insight, Tom, about the failing heart in D-ribose, please? Well, you know, one of the big uh, current trends in uh, any type of heart disease is this failing heart uh, is an energy-starved uh, heart. Uh, we had a meeting uh, that Dr. Burkowski was in, and Joanne Ingwall uh, was um, part of this group that we had the meeting with, and uh, has done. Joanne has done much of the research on the ATP levels and this failing heart being energy starved and and she she had a very interesting insight and she said it's really not an energy starved heart it's an energy hungry heart and the heart is looking to form this and what ribose does is actually gives this heart the substrate it needs to build the ATP molecule that it needs to um, to to have this energy that it needs to recover 
And, uh, but, you know, more and more we're hearing about this energy crisis, whether it be in a failing heart, whether it be, uh, in hearts that have, you know, people that have gone through, uh, a, um, an MI or a heart attack where the energy is depleted, and even in other diseases like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, where the energy power plants or the mitochondria just don't work well. And you end up with this energy crisis that has depleted the amount of energy these cells have at the cellular level. And ribose plays a significant role in rebuilding that energy store and, and helps the cell, whether, again, be, be skeletal muscle or, or heart tissue, function better. Uh, Dr. Burkowski has seen it in his, uh, you know, Dr. Teitelbaum has seen it mm-hmm. in uh, many patients with fibromyalgia. And we have a number of studies in patients with congestive heart failure where we're seeing this rebuilding of that energy store can significantly improve the functioning of the tissue, again, whether that be skeletal muscle or heart tissue. And that certainly raises a question in my mind. Now, Dr. Perkowski, you mentioned um, um, you know, insulin resistance, and we see so many people uh, pre-diabetic um, you know, progressing into type 2 diabetes, and it, sort of, and it seems it almost equals heart disease in so many. Um, if we take a look at you know, the energy to draw um, you know, glucose into the cells and this whole process, you're, you're wondering if you're not dealing with uh, you know, many potential benefits with the ribose, not only for the, the, the health of, of muscle cells, the heart cells, uh, but also in terms of insulin resistance as well, Dr. Burkowski. Yes, Deborah, that's true. And uh, the uh, it's interesting that the, the cardiac muscle is, is a little different than the, than the skeletal muscles that people use when they exercise. And the reason for that is that the uh, uh, in skeletal muscle, once the energy is used up, uh, the substrates that uh, are available are not lost uh, to the outside the cell, mm-hmm. but in the in the cardiac muscle that's not true. There's an enzyme that breaks this a molecule of energy down to its constituent parts, and then once that happens, these molecules become what they call nonpolar. They don't have a charge on them, and then they leave the cell. And so, in the, in heart failure and heart surgery and whatnot, we we need we need to protect that that system and keep it intact. And the D ribose will allow us to do that now. You mentioned the insulin resistance, and that's a whole separate problem. That is actually delivering the fuel to the cell right. so that it can use it, and that's part of the problem that they have. They don't; uh, These patients don't make or store glycogen very well, and so they start using protein breakdown products as a source of fuel, and that presents all kinds of other metabolic disturbances to us. So really, it's, it's a two-faceted problem. One is getting, the, as you said, getting the glucose into the cell, and that's why we use these insulin drips to, for these patients. And the other is obviously is to make the energy molecule, which is inside the cell. So we have this double whammy going on. Well, one was the glucose; the other is to make the uh, ATP molecule, and and they're you know obviously complementary. So all these things that we're doing uh, do help these patients, and uh, uh, I've seen it clinically, which is which is rather gratifying. Sure, sure, absolutely. And it's also, uh, I'd welcome your insight additionally, Dr. Burkowski, with the literature seeming to, to indicate that we're going to see more congestive heart failure because we see, of course, more insulin resistance, more metabolic syndrome, more type 2 diabetes. Um, you know, 